Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, welcome to Forty Going On Fourteen. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel, and I'm Josh. And this week we're talking Magnum PI. So I'm just going to recycle a portion of my opener from Hawaii Five O. Dano, <laughs> he's not wrong. It is proven they are in the same universe. Well, yeah, for both of them, they reused some of the sets and directly decided to do the show based on the success of the the other. Mm-hmm. I was not aware of that. Yeah, a lot of the sets from Magnum P.I. were just that they didn't want to tear down the sets from Hawaii Five O. They're like, oh, yeah, we got them. We might as well use them. So they set it in Hawaii and did it from there. Huh. Yep. I learned something new. I was today years old when I learned this. Yeah, there's even references to the uh, Hawaii Five O team in the original and the new Magnum P.I. So there you go. Welcome to the Magnum P.I. show, he says. Where we're going to talk about mustaches and fast cars if you like mustaches and fast cars and who doesn't you might also like the shows on the podcast collect such as the dog and deuce show i am salt lake the empty rant podcast and of course the rad dad radio hour hooray that was a good one used to be pat's thing yeah pat used to do that i know long ago and and it was a much simpler thing you sure i've never heard that before it was a, it was a simpler lead-in for more elegant time. Maybe I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> no, you were fine. I just I don't I don't talk about it anymore because I don't like to upset Joel. Not upsetting me. I think it's funny. Oh, you're upset. I am. I like to upset Joel. Is that a new character? Upset Joel. <laughs> <laughs> Who needs a character when you got the real thing? I think I would be really terrified if you ever like fully snapped on us. Because I think you're the kind of... What like, do you mean to us? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, what? I think you're kind of like the chewing on bones type of guy. I'm going to chew on your bones? Are you? Uh-oh. Thinking about it. Don't hurt pizza bone, <laughs> <laughs> Looking for more of this? You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Blueberry Stitcher, Podchaser, and uh, other podcasting directories. Uh, you go to Podchaser, you can leave us reviews radar shows i think you can even do clips if you find something funny you can do a clip and send it to a friend oh yeah send it to friends, joel friends love clips yeah if you find something funny let us know <laughs> That's, yeah. we're still looking accurate you can also give us a call at 708 now wrap 6699 i'm sorry 708-669-9727 click and call no not click and call facebook facebook takes us to you the uh Welcome Discord. to Michael's I'm... Word Salad. 
Jesus Christ. <laughs> I've had a long day. It feels like somebody turned off two-thirds of my brain, and all I'm left with is our adjectives. Do you smell toast? I smell toast all the time. <laughs> my family loves toast. I'm always like, damn it, boys, why are you making toast? Which is something, because I don't have any sons. I was going to say, there's no boys in your house. <laughs> Something's wrong what here. Happening? Wow! <laughs> the call. Go on Facebook. You can join us on Discord. Chat with us. We're going to make history. The first podcast to record someone having a stroke. <laughs> so there I you go. It's about that time. Good lord, is it ever? It's about that time. This week in music, movies, and TV. All right, so this What happened week, to sports? I said it. Did you? Okay. I didn't yeah, hear I you. I didn't get an man sports from that guy. Sports! I'm watching you. You watch your ass. Wish I could watch mine. There's not much there to look at, but... I wish I could avoid seeing mine in my peripheral. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just All right. December 11th, 1980. There's a premiere of the original Magnum P.I. So, uh, the number one song in the land was Lady by Kenny Rogers. It's a good song. Solid Lady. Kenny song. Eh. I mean, it's nothing amazing, but... It's not It's not bad enough for me to hate or anything. It's just kind of... Nah. It's not even my favorite song called, named Lady. <laughs> I prefer the six version. Oh, that is a great version. I mean, they're different songs, but yeah. You're talking about the cool in the gang version. So, what is a good Kenny Rogers song then? The Gambler. Ruby. I like Ruby. The Gambler, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, that's obvious. Half of Islands in the Stream. Nah. <laughs> I never I never cared for Islands in the Stream. That we uh, uh I mean we don't have to get too deep in it. I was just curious if there was a good Kenny Rogers song in your so What's the song from uh from Six Pack? Got a six pack. No, um, got a five pack. Love will turn you around. That's a good song. Oh, that's a decent song. Yeah. We'll turn you around now. It's a different no, no. That's, that's love will keep us together. Kenny Rogers never went like disco or anything. No, Kenny Rogers disco would be amazing. Oh, um, um, just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. There's a good Kenny Rogers. One. Okay, oh. I can get yeah. behind that one. That is a good song. All right, so moving on. Darby Crash, born Jan Paul Beam, was an American punk rock vocalist and songwriter who, along with longtime friend Pat Smear, co-founded the punk rock band The Germs. Interesting side note, the band's first drummer was Belinda Carlisle, a 15-year-old playing in her first band. Germs was famous for raucous live shows in which Crash would get drunk and use drugs on stage, so they were never signed to a label. Crash ended his own troubled life by way of an intentional heroin overdose on December 7th, just like the heroin. Wait, does that say intentional? Intentional. Yikes. Yep. Yeah, he left suicide notes and everything. Yeah. Oh. I mean, if you're going to go, I guess there's worse ways to go. That's well, his, his older brother had died of a heroin overdose, and he pretty much kind of felt like that was his lot in life. So. That's a shame, though. It's a family thing. And Pat Smear went on to, you know, become a member of Nirvana for touring reasons and whatnot. So, all right, moving on. During the afternoon of December 8th, Anna Leibovitz had a photo shoot with John Lennon and Yoko Ono taking some of the most iconic photos in rock history. She was the last person to professionally photograph Lennon 
as he was shot and murdered by Mark David Chapman in front of his apartment building at 10.50 p.m. Eastern Standard Time that night. Lennon's single, Just Like Starting Over, became a number one hit weeks later in many countries, including the United States, the United Kingdom, and Australia. I don't know if I know that song. Yeah, you do. Just like, I'd like if I heard it, I'd be like, oh, yeah. That's yeah, you would, you would. Is that off of... Uh, Can you play it, Josh? Double Fantasy? Probably. I'm yeah. I'm not sure what album it was on. To be honest with you, I wasn't. I thought that's what the his last were last one, obviously. <laughs> Our life together. Oh yeah, I know this so one. so precious together. We have grown. We have grown. You know that one, Joel? I do not actually. You might recognize it once the chorus started. Huh. Wait. Well, yeah, I, I recognize it. Yeah. All right. And finally, on December 14th, over 100,000 mourners attended a public vigil for John Lennon in Central Park. Ten minutes of silence were observed at 2 o'clock p.m. 100,000 people being quiet for 10 minutes. That had to be deafening. Just about, Wait, yeah. What? <laughs> I mean, the, that much silence and, you know, that big of a crowd, that would be, hmm. that's the right word. It almost has a presence. Yeah. Yeah. I get you. Except for Frank. Frank's like, God damn it, Frank. Now we got to start over. Be the one dude that farted at that point. All right. Moving on to movies. The number one movie in the land was Nine to Five, starring Dolly Parton, Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda, and Dabney Coleman. I remember that movie. I saw that in the theater. It's our second Dolly Parton reference of the. Oh, good. Good call. She's apparently just like the best human. Oh, yeah. I've never heard a bad thing. Yeah. Book giveaway she does? She has a thing in the what's what state is she Kentucky, in? She in Tennessee? Kentucky? Wherever Dollywood. Yeah, where Dolly Dolly World is. I've been there. Dollywood, yeah. She was also a secret uncredited pro- producer on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, really? What? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh there was a story that uh when the showrunner who was a woman when was revealed to Dolly that she was not making as much as her male colleagues dolly took her to lunch and cut her a check for the difference wow nice here's some other trivia if we ever if they ever remake nine to five i'm tossing some pre-trivia on this one this is the first movie that dolly parton had ever been in and she was so i would say wound up i was so excited about it that she memorized the entire script she's a very intelligent and would help woman. other people with their lines great business person very very friendly yeah and just never Smart. heard a bad thing about her yeah Yep, same. All right, uh, movies released this week included Flash Gordon, Popeye, Stir Crazy, and the acronym of the week, A-W-W-Y-C, which I'm relatively certain stands for All White Women Yank Cock. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Wow. (laughs) I mean... That includes all the mothers. Uh, Uh, You know who. You're very, very close. That was any which way you can. Any which way you can. Equal to any which way but loose, right? Yes. My turn, Clyde. Yes. It's not an awful week for releases. I mean, I mean, if you like cornball movies, Flash Gordon and Popeye got you covered. They're crazy as funny as shit. Yeah. I don't think I've ever, ever seen any of the any which way movies. They're enjoyable. I mean, they're 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 popcorn movies. Yeah, they're fun. They're they're harmless, you know. Huh. I saw Popeye at the theater. 
I'm with Mike on this, that uh, not only have I never seen any of the Any Which Way moves, but uh, I don't even know what they're about. It's about an orangutan. Yeah, Clint Eastwood is a truck driver, and is, he has a co-pilot that is literally an orangutan named Clyde. There, that's all you need to know. I mean, this was the era of, like, the trucker with a sidekick, you know, with an animal sidekick, BJ and the bear and whatnot. Dude from Smokey and the Bandit. You know, everybody had... Well, just truckers and, and animal sidekicks, What is it period. with truckers and monkeys? That's a weird genre. You gotta have something to fuck when you can't find the trailer park Betty's, you know? Instead of a lot lizard, you have a lot in orangutan? Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Ah, any which way but loose. Yeah. Uh-huh. I now, get you, now you oh. get it. Oh. Oh. He gets it. It's awful. There's no getting. It's terrible. In fact, I'm calling. Oh, I'm I was gonna tell, Conversation I was gonna, over. TV. I was going to tell Josh no. real quick that there is no orangutan banging going on in this movie, just to be clear. No orangutan bangerang. <laughs> what does that say? Orangutan <laughs> bangerang gangbang. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Any which way, I don't know what to do with any of that. So TV, monkey humper. Yeah, it's all the things you never thought it was. Oh my god! So the top shows in the land: TV, Dallas, Dukes of Hazard, sixty minutes, and Mash. Yep, that's solid TV right there. Almost no orangutan gangbangs. The orangutan gangbang (laughs) bangerangs. Have we done a Dukes of Hazard show? We've been talking about doing a Dukes of Hazard show about every 12 shows since yep. like five yep. years ago. Okay. All right. So on December 8th, Howard Cosell announced the murder of former Beatle John Lennon in the closing seconds of a Monday night football game. NBC also reported the murder of Lennon interrupting the Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson for a news bulletin. That's, I'd say that's something. I was to... trying to think when I, when I was writing that, I was like, who today would be big enough that they would break into like, all of the talk shows that say this person has been assassinated. And I don't mean like a political figure. I'm talking like a celebrity, uh, like like a music like figure or an actor or something. Dwayne Johnson? Maybe. Chris Pratt? You know, I love them both, but I don't think any of them are hold a candle to John Lennon his day. Well, no. Oh, no. But I mean, we're talking about nowadays. Who would they? Who would they? We're interrupting this. If Kanye West got shot in a drive-by? That would make news quick who else i don't know i'm just trying to think of who like what celebrity would be is big enough now can't i can't even imagine i can't think if beyonce, of if beyonce and jay-z both died in a car wreck yeah i could see that simon maxwell hedberg born december 9th is an american actor comedian and musician known for playing howard wolowitz in the sitcom the bing bang theory Hellberg has appeared on the sketch comedy series Mad TV and is known for his role as Moist in Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. He has further performed in films such as Old School, Good Night and Good Luck, Walk Hard, The Dewey Cox Story, and Florence Foster Jenkins. So there you go. And also in TV, Colonel Harlan Sanders, founder of Kentucky Fried Chicken and mainstay of American television commercials for years, died at 90 years old on December 16th. He was deep fried. Ew. Body comes mm. out and they dip it in batter. How do you want your colonel? He had thirteen pallbearers, one for each secret spice. <laughs> really? No. Are you just making that shit yeah, up? I made that up. He's just <laughs> jerk. I, I, you know who I actually liked was uh, Norm Macdonald's 
when they had him doing the commercial as uh, that was Colonel a Sanders weird promotion where they had different people doing those commercials. Yeah, I think I think Norm was probably my favorite. It was bizarre. It was funny. All right, moving on to sports. Lady. On December 7th at the PGA Seniors Championship held at Turnberry Isle Country Club, Arnold Palmer won with a birdie on the first playoff hole against Paul Harney. On December 14th, the New Orleans Saints ended their 14-game losing streak, beating the New York Jets 21-20. Whew. Good for them. And lastly, Elston Gene Howard was an American professional baseball player. During a 14-year baseball career, he played in the Negro Leagues and, M- and the MLB from 1948 through 1968, primarily for the New York Yankees. In 1955, he was the first black player on the Yankees roster. This was eight years after Jackie Robinson had broken the MLB color barrier in 1947. Howard was named the AL's MVP in 1963 after finishing third in the league in slugging average and fifth in home runs, becoming the first black player in AL history to win the honor. He won Golden Glove Awards in 1963 and 1964. Diagnosed with myocarditis, a rare heart disease that causes rapid heart failure, Howard died December 14th. And that is wow. it for the twee. Play us off, keyboard Joel. Nah, 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 nah. All right. So back in 1980, Tom Selleck was approached to play the character of Thomas Sullivan Magnum III. It was an ex Navy SEAL, private investigator, living in Hawaii, driving the Ferraris. The What's fourth. that? Thomas Sullivan Magnum the Fourth, the Fourth, the Thorth, Thorth, the Thorth, the Thorth. <laughs> That's what it says in the trivia. Huh. Okay, then we have then we have conflicting because the trivia is from IMDb and Magnum the Third is from Wikipedia. Oh, weird. Which one is it then? <gasps> Maybe he's his own son. <laughs> Plot twist. I'm my own father. Oh, well, listen and don't change history from Mister. I'm my own grandpa. <laughs> right he lives out in the <laughs> Jesus <laughs> I can't get on, on my own grandfather in my head now so thank you for that anytime lived out in the robin's nest and solved mysteries while driving Ferraris wearing really awesome Hawaiian shirts and annoying the hell out of an ex-British army sergeant major like I said before Magnum P.I. and lots of short shorts Yes, shorty shorts. That's actually in an interview uh, with Tom Selleck when they were talking about the show. And he's like, yeah, the show lasts. He's like, it's timeless. Everything lasts. He's like, my shorts, probably not. Those are kind of short, but. His balls would be hanging out of him now. (laughs) They have a mustache. (laughs) It's a ball throw. (laughs) (laughs) So Tom Selleck played Magnum on 158 episodes from 1980 to 1988. John Hillerman played the uptight British Higgins for 158 episodes. Roger E. Mosley played Theodore T.C. Calvin for the same amount. Larry Menetti was Orville Rick Wright. Some trivia on this one. In an interview for Bravo's TV countdown to the 100th greatest television characters, Tom Selleck said his character, Thomas Sullivan Magnum, the fourth or the third? We have conflict now. Thorth. Was originally written. We'll go with the fourth. He's a fourth. Oh, no, the fourth. That's Thorth. Yeah. 
The fourth. It's definitely the fourth. I, well, I haven't been talking because I've been looking this up. There's even arguing about it on the Wikipedia talk page. And the Wikipedia article is literally the only place that refers to him as the third. Okay. So initially he was written as a James Bond of television, visiting stewardesses on each arm. Flawlessly perfect kind of character. And Tom Selleck hated it. Uh, and by his own admission, he went to the writers and said, I'm tired of playing what I look like. So he was very... I mean, he wasn't wrong, but when asked what he wanted to do, he remembered how much fun he had working with James Garner on the Rockford Files back in 74 and suggested making Magnum more of a laid-back, blue-collar average Joe. His rationale was that if men watched the show and were able to identify with him, it'd bring in more male viewers. The writers and producers said no and refused, and he threatened, hey, if you don't do this, I'm going to go make this movie they just asked me to make called Raiders of the Lost Ark, and I don't even know what that's about. The writers caved and made Magnum the approachable, charming jock character for which Selleck would become famous. And he kicked himself a little bit for not being Indiana Jones. Uh, I don't Just know. Just a little bit. Maybe a little. But I think, I think he's doing all right. 158 episodes of a character that everybody knows 30 years later. I mean, yeah. it's not his turn on Friends, though. But, you know. No. What I mean, Raiders would have been a completely different thing if it had been Tom Selleck. Yes. Yeah, no, it, it, I think I think he could have done it. Yeah. I'm not saying it would be a bad thing. I'm saying it would be completely different. But I think I would still think it would have hit legendary status. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's the thing. And, and you guys know my connection with Raiders. Like, I consider it a nearly perfect adventure movie. But if you're going to have to substitute casting for anyone... Tom Selleck would have been a reasonable replacement. Mm -hmm. It's hard to argue that the movie would be worse with him. Right. It would be different, but it, I, don't, I don't think it would be worse. For now, sure. For Lloyd, it would have been worse. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. So Magnum's name. Richard Simmons as <laughs> Jones. Dude, if he was riding a jet ski, I'd be all about it. You <laughs> shut your mouth, both of you. <laughs> I just, the whole scene with the whip and the gun would be... <laughs> Ah! Oh, yeah, that'd be worse. Um, so Magnum's navy uniform includes the blue. Imagine him in those little tiny shorts running from the boulder. <laughs> okay, even I laughed at that one. <laughs> oh my god, why did it have to be snakes? <laughs> oh shit. Oh, okay. We better now. I think I'm worse. <laughs> All right. So Magnum's Navy uniform includes the blue and white ribbon for the Navy Cross and the Naval Special Warfare insignia. This means that he was actually a Navy SEAL and earned the nation's second highest award for Naval personnel. So Magnum was kind of a badass, which is kind of cool because he had that low key attitude thing going on. Yeah, he's very laid back, very Hawaiian. Mm -hmm. So the show was set in Hawaii partly because CBS did not want to close its Hawaiian production offices when Hawaii Five-O ceased production in 1980. For more information on that, go back to our Hawaii Five-O show. Ta-da! We'll put it in the links. This show started production that year and contained occasional references to Steve McGarrett and Five-O, although McGarrett was never shown. It would have been kind of cool if it would have been a crossover episode. They had a lot of crossovers. There was actually a Murder, She Wrote episode that had magnum pi on it i mean with hawaii 50 
Are you saying Jessica Fletcher is not cool? Yes. Now, if it was Richard Simmons as Jessica Fletcher. (laughs) All right. Now, how about this? After the show ended, Universal Pictures floated the idea of a Magnum P.I. movie with the original cast. Tom Clancy wrote a script about Magnum returning to the Navy and his subsequent adventures. It ultimately fell through uh, that the original cast and Clancy's script would not be a big enough draw at the box office. Wow. I beg to differ. I think his track record now is proven differently. Uh, yeah. Well, this is 1988 Tom Clancy, too. So, man. But yeah, that I think if that script is still out there, I mean, I would be willing to just see it for the hell of it. Uh, that could start a new franchise, potentially, if they if this, you know, once a show ends or they do like a movie version without Jay Hernandez, the current Magnum P.I., mm-hmm. that could turn into a fucking franchise. Well, here's the thing is that this is also f- three, four years before even Hunt for Red October. Hunt for Red October didn't pop up until 1990. So outside of people who read the books, like my dad, didn't even really know Tom Clancy at this point. Whereas now Tom Clancy's everywhere. Look what it did for Jack. I mean, Jack Ryan is a household name. So you already got mm-hmm. a proven uh, entity. Slap his name on it. He could punch up the script to make it modern Clancy. And yeah, Tom Clancy is. It's a it's a household name. That's what we, actually what we call the paprika in our house. We don't say give us the paprika. Give me the Tom Clancy. Or, give me the Jack Ryan. That's what we say. What? What? <laughs> Yeah, I didn't want to question. I was just going to roll with it. <laughs> All right, so the grounds of Robin's Nest have been used for hundreds of years before raising sea turtles for the Hawaiian royal family. And if you look at Google Maps, you can see that there is a 500 by 50 foot stone wall just in that little jetty out there that they would use for raising turtles. The Turtle Pond has been on the National Register of Historic Places since 1978. As a residential estate since the early 1930s, it's an 11,000 square foot main house, a boathouse. I knew that. I knew that place looked familiar. Yeah, because you got thrown out of there. No, I just I'm 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 big into you know sea turtle rescue. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of that in Texas. Oh yeah, sea turtles everywhere. They taste taste so good. (laughs) By January 2014, it was owned by Cox Communication and heiress Barbara Cox Anthony, which is an unfortunate name, uh, placed it on the market with Sotheby's International Realty for $15.75 million. And it sold for $8.7 million in 2015. And in 2018, they tore it down. (laughs) Yeah. Money well spent. Well, I'm I'm hoping they put something else up in there, but uh, the original theme music was a mid-tempo jazzy piece by Ian Freebairn Smith, and it was also used for the next nine regular episodes, which kind of threw me. Yeah, I thought that was weird because the first episode mm-hmm. was the original theme song, and the second one, I was like, "What the fuck just happened?" Well, the second one was actually the original theme song. Was that kind of like da 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 whatever it was. And it wasn't until later that they redid the first one, I believe, and added the more popular theme song to it that we know. 
Josh, can you is I, I don't know if you could do that. Can you bring that up? Probably not. I, I'm afraid to find out what would even show up. I'm curious now. <laughs> Welcome to Jay Leto's garage. <laughs> <laughs> Today we're looking at Ferraris. Jay Leto is rapidly becoming a guest host on this. <laughs> That's a great theme song. Okay, I was going to wait until we'd gotten into the meat of the show, but I kind of have to jump in here. Okay. I knew that my parents watched this show. It's weird to have an overwhelming flashback of a memory that is neither super positive or super negative. But like, as soon as that theme song kicked in, I catapulted back to the number of times I heard that song when my dad was watching the show in the 80s. Like through the walls, whatever. Like, yeah. No, I mean, I typically like was sitting there watching. I maybe didn't get it, but like I didn't realize how many times I had heard that theme song and watched this show mm-hmm. back in the early 80s. But the theme song, it just all flooded back. And that's awesome, isn't it? Strangely, yeah. I mean, I was dragging my feet a little bit on watching this, but we'll get to that when we get past the trivia. Okay. I just want to throw out there, when you said that about the uh, the theme song, Josh, I was imagining you and your brother in a room, and your parents were watching it, and you heard it through the walls as you were sticking stickers to the <laughs> the wall in your room. You're like, <laughs> click, and it's like, dang, 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 dang. I don't know why. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Got a weird window into your soul there, Joel. That's I mean, he he's not wrong about the stickers on the yeah, wall. No, he's yeah, not wrong he talks about that. Yeah. Why, why yeah. wouldn't we be doing that during Magnum PI? Because <laughs> you guys are supposed to be in bed. And... I know this music, it's sticker time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we knew that for the next hour they were gonna be tied up watching Magnum PIs. So you guys were stickering the shit out of that wall. <laughs> I mean, it's not like we had to do the stickers on the wall secretly. <laughs> they knew about them. They were fucking everywhere. It makes it more funny, though, to think of you guys doing it in secret. Oh, shit. That's awesome. All right. So beginning in episode 12, the original music was replaced with a more up-tempo theme typical of 1980s action series that we just heard, played by Mike Post and Pete Carpenter with guitar by Larry Carlton. The theme had been used during the show and over closing credits from episode 8 on. A longer version of the second theme, theme for Magnum P.I. that was three minutes and 25 seconds long, was released as a seven-inch single by Elektra Records in 1982 and then hit the Billboard Hot 100, peaking at 25 on May 8th. Wow. That's pretty crazy for a theme song. I mean, it's not I'm, the only time it's happened, but that's pretty crazy. No, I mean, the, the next one that I thought about was um, Miami Vice. Jan Hammer. The Friends theme? Yeah. I mean... Well, I mean, technically that's a regular song, but... Or the Axel Foley's song. Oh, Axel yeah. Foley. Completely. So I looked up this guy, Larry Carlton, because I hadn't heard his name before. Joel, do you know him? The name sounds familiar, but no, I don't, I'm not, I don't know who he is. Okay, so uh, in the 70s, he was a, basically one of those studio musicians that just kind of like, hey, we need a guitarist. Get him in here. He appeared on hundreds of recording sessions with 
Steely Dan, Joni Mitchell, Linda Ronstadt, Michael Jackson, Quincy Jones, Bobby Bland, Sammy Davis Jr., Fifth Dimension, Herb Alpert, Christopher Cross, Dolly Parton, third time, Andy Williams and the Partridge Family. He performed also on Mike Post's theme from Hill Street Blues. So this was one of those guys that you we need a guitarist to just, you know, do some serious riffs for us. They call this guy. He'd come in, do it and leave. Kind of cool. Wait a second. I'm sorry. I'm digging through more. He he was the guitarist on Piano Man for Billy Joel, too. Uh, huh. Yeah. Always interesting to find out, like, these studio musicians, like, what else they did with their lives. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling through all this, and it just keeps going for this guy. So good on him, man. That's awesome. Uh, so... Higgins, Jonathan Quayle Higgins III, has several illegitimate siblings with the same father, General Albert Stanley Higgins, but with different mothers. Father Patty McGinnis, an Irish priest. Elmo Ziller, a rodeo owner from Texas. Don Luis Monego, a royal heir to the throne of the Costa de Rosa in South America. There's also Su Ling from China. Elizabeth Whitefeather, a Native American, and Katumba Numba from Africa. I love their song, Tum Thumper. Tum Thumper is good. Yes, that's right. Very good. Um, <laughs> Elmo, Patty, and Don Luis were the only ones ever actually seen and all played by dual roles by John Hillerman himself as extreme con- contrast to Higgins' British characterizations, which is ironic because... He's from Texas to begin with. That was a time he didn't have to use an accent when he was playing the Texan. Mm-hmm. That was my my. We were watching it, and the girls were like, "I know that guy." I'm like, "You do? Do you? Yeah." Like, I was like, "Or right, just watch watch another episode with me and see if you can tell me who he is." And they could. They it's like one of those people that they knew they had seen him before. I'm like, "I want to extend a heart this wreath or this." Yeah, this wreath and a hearty handshake. A laurel and hearty handshake. A laurel and hearty handshake. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, so naturally, we watch a couple episodes of Magnum P.I. and then we watch Blazing Saddles. Ah, classic. Yes. I just introduced my niece uh, and her girlfriend to her fiance, I guess now. They got, they got engaged. Oh, yeah. congratulations. Yeah. I just introduced them to that the other day. They'd never, neither one of them had ever seen it. Wait, what? Blazing Saddles. How, how old are they? Uh, 30. Yikes. Yep. What was their reaction? Just curious. Oh, they loved it. Yeah, they loved it. <laughs> they, they they go around the house quoting it now. Doing yeah. the French mistake. <laughs> I had to warn them. I'm like, all right, this is going to get a little bit off the rails at the end. <laughs> Stick with it. It's worth it. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like the warning because I, I showed it to the girls when they were 10 and 13. I was like, you have to understand the 70s were a different time. This is not smiled upon at all this time either, but Mel Brooks kind of took the heat off of it. And but anyway, anyway Magnum P. We're not doing, yeah, Magnum P. So please tell me this is not the first watching for any of us. No. It actually is for me. What? Yeah. I never, I never watched this show during its first run. Really? It surprises yeah. me that this wasn't something your dad was into. No, yeah, he never, Yeah, I never recall him seeing it. Yeah, it seems like his wheelhouse. 
Yeah, it kind of does, actually. Well, because he's like, ah, I had that other show on, and Pat's done with his stickers. He must be asleep now. Now I can watch Mag. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, it probably was another show that ran at the same time that he watched instead. Hmm. Huh. I honestly had sworn that a guess was that all of us had seen this before. No, I never did. This is this is the first time I watched it. I watched the pilot twofer, and I watched the the third episode because it was a Simon and Simon crossover. And Simon and Simon was something that I definitely watched when I was younger. That was another great show. I wish they would remake that one. Actually, they need to remake Simon and Simon, and then like Cagney and Lacey, and Riptide. Come again, Riptide. Why don't I remember that? I don't know. Oh. Look it up sometime. Joel's the only one who does. Richard Carradine was in it. Anyway, oh. moving on. So what did you? So uh, honestly, what did what did you think? You guys asking me? Yeah, yeah, you're, you're the first one. Yeah, I mean it's new to you. I enjoyed it. I, I watched, like I said, I watched the first three episodes, and then I watched like two more from season three because I looked up the you know the top ten episodes, and then I watched the very last two uh, episodes of the entire run. So I watched two for seven episodes total. No, yeah, seven episodes, which was more than enough, I think, to give me a, a good uh, a good idea of it. And I mean, I enjoyed it. I don't think I will go back and watch any more of them, but I didn't dislike it in any way. It was uh, the character was was fun. The whole thing with you know between him and Higgins and everything, I could see that that was going to be like a long running. We butt heads and eventually begrudgingly become friends kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was bad by any stretch, but I didn't think it was anything you know amazing either. Well, I mean, for 1980, it was solid TV. That was my take on it. I, I watched it back then, and I really, I, I don't know if there's something you guys know about me. I really dig Magnum P.I. I enjoyed this one. I find it, in rewatching it, almost a throwback to when TV didn't have to be super edgy or super, you know, we just want to give me a good mystery that can be solved in 40, 50 minutes. Or sometimes a two-parter. Or sometimes a two-parter, yeah. In a very special episode. Give me some entertaining characters. Give me a villain once in a while. Give me a foil to the hero in Higgins. And I was happy. I mean, it's... And give me some continuity. That was the one thing. I mean, you you want to you, you want everything to match. You want the character to stay the same. Right. You know, have the same type of... I mean, they can grow and everything, but you have to... It has to be a slow burn type of grow, you know? Yeah, and here's something else about the show, is that this was actually one of the first times where, because TC and Magnum and uh, Rick were Navy SEALs, and TC and Magnum, or TC and Rick were Marines. No, they were Navy. Were they? A hundred percent, because actually TC might have been Marines, because one of the things they talk about in the armed forces is how the uh, Marines and the Navy have this relationship where the Navy says the Marines are their taxi drivers. Ah, yes. Or maybe vice versa. Yeah, vice versa. And the Marines say the Navy is their taxi driver. Yeah. 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 Because every every ship in the Navy is required to have a a squad of Marines on it. Because they're the ones that do all the, you know, if they have to go on land for any kind of conflict, the Marines do. Okay. Well, one of the things that was interesting about Magnum PI is that these three were all Vietnam veterans. 
and it was one of the first shows that presented Vietnam vets as human beings that are carrying some baggage and, you know, may not be a hundred percent back, but they're not like as, as it was presented at the time, you know, the shell shock killer, you know, this is a person who could snap at any time, right? You know, they're just people trying to live and doing what they know how to do. And they actually got kind of showing you can have PTSD and not be a threat to society. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, Vietnam in general was a pretty controversial topic at the time, mm-hmm. even in 1980. Oh, yeah. But it, but they actually got accolades from other servicemen saying, hey, you know, it's about time someone shows us as this. You know, we're not all on the edge about to snap. We're just trying to get back to our normal uh, normal days. You know, and trying the A-team and they're like, pull it back a little, pull it back just a little. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Mike. No, no, no. Keep going. I, I haven't watched this since it was on the air <laughs> back in the 80s. And even then, I didn't watch it a lot. But I, I found myself enjoying this more than I thought. I thought it held up pretty well. I mean, the only thing that I really had a problem with was that, like, one of the episodes I watched where he was protecting the the Chinese woman in her vase from the ninja guy. He always blinks before he strikes. Yes. And he barely knew this woman 10 hours, five hours. They were already kissing out in the dock. And then she's like, if, you know, I won't sleep with you until, you you know, the job is done. And that was kind of the theme that seemed to be running through the episodes I watched was he takes a case from an attractive woman and then, you know, she wants to do him. And I was like, that's a little, I mean, he's a handsome guy, but. Not not to contradict you too much, Joel, but in that episode, they established that he'd been visiting her every weekend for like six weeks. Oh, I must have missed that part. Yeah. Yeah. She made a point of saying she expected to see him that Saturday because he'd been there every Saturday at the mm-hmm. beginning of the episode. Oh, yeah. So he okay. was already putting putting the romance in on her. Never mind. <laughs> there was still a theme of. Chicks were like, hey, baby. And he's like, hey, baby. And want a mustache ride? Look at the mustache and look at those shorts, man. Right? Seriously. His name brand condom was, you know, big seller. <laughs> if you're curious, the pattern for his iconic Hawaiian shirt is called Jungle Bird. Jungle Bird. I wasn't curious, but now I'm glad I know that for some reason. Yeah. I'm going to order one of those. Surprised you don't have one already, to be honest. I've got a couple that are close. I did. I unfortunately did not know that there was actually you can buy the Magnum PI like collection. So I mean that's that's a thing. I didn't. He's got some amazing shirts. Just tossing this out there. So what about the relationship between Higgins and Magnum? I remember watching it, and initially, Pat, you watched the first couple episodes, so it's pretty much where Higgins is putting up with Magnum being there, and pretty much despises the fact that he's on the property but over the next eight seasons you see the relationship really does change where higgins starts to gain a lot of respect for what magnum does there's and it it's the 1980s plot and character growth you know it's nothing astounding but the attitudes change they're both military people who have a deep regard for authority and discipline and respect and stuff like that and honorary people and once they kind of realize that about both of them, about each other, they're like, okay, well, we can kind of have a kindred relationship, kindred spirit. And they learn to, to get along. There was definitely a mutual respect there. 
as things progressed. There was a little bit of kind of apprehension, but you know, I mean, you can tell from the beginning that that was that was the arc they were going to have. Yeah. It's very 80s, but, you know, for something as tropey as this was for an action 80s thing, I- I'm kind of coming at it from the same place Joel was. I was afraid that this was going to be super difficult to watch, mm-hmm. and I was shocked at how well it held up. Yeah, I mean, because you think Magnum P.I. Okay, I say Magnum P.I., what is opening scenes, theme music, and everything? What is the one scene that pops in your head? The helicopter flying? Mm-hmm. Me too. Okay. Uh, okay, all right. For me, it was him holding the girl who's scuba diving, who's doing the diving oh. thing. <laughs> oh, where he got her ass, yeah. And I was anticipating, like you guys, I was anticipating some cringe on this. And while there was a little bit of cringe, it was like more of look at those 80s styles. Look at these guys. They're all going out for the evening and they're wearing that, you know, that sort of thing. Where it was dated in the way that they dress, but it's not dated in the way as the plots go. I mean, there was a couple times where, you know, yeah, it got a little cheesy, but. It was never to the point where, I mean, what are some of the older, some of the shows that we've watched that we've gone full cringe on? I mean, A-Team, I loved it, but... Yeah. Or Knight Rider? Yeah. Yeah, they definitely felt a lot more cheesy than than this turned out to be, Mm -hmm. which is odd. And I would almost put this in with Cheers. I mean, it's a show that's dated. It's not as much dated as it is set in a period of time. It's a period piece. Yeah. Plot line, the conversations, do they do get a little TV tropish, but the stories are solid, and it's easily rewatchable show. I watched about 10-plus episodes <laughs> once I started rolling on it. I really enjoyed it. Well, and I found it kind of weird. I had a similar reaction to, like Josh did, but more just because I remember watching it myself. My, I don't know if my parents watched it, but and it just took me back to being that age again in the 80s when I watched it. And I just felt it was kind of like it was like a little time capsule, I guess. It's the best way to put it. Like I could imagine not having all the things we have to worry about now and just kind of sitting on the couch at home after school in the evening and watching Magnum P.I. Mm-hmm. All right. So yeah. um, since I watched the the final two episodes I know that there was one mystery that was kind of overriding throughout the whole series, and they still didn't even answer it at the end. So I will ask you guys, do you think Higgins was Robin Masters? Mm. I think that's sort of the intention with the retcon, because that basically happened because Orson Welles died. Mm. Orson Welles was the voice every time Robin Masters showed up. You never saw him. It was Orson Welles' voice, and he died, and they decided well, we still want to have Robin Masters. We don't want to write him off the show. Yeah. So what happens if we decide that maybe Higgins was Robin Masters the whole time? Yeah, I missed that in the, you know, missing the middle of the whole thing. So, yeah. Yeah, because they had to retcon some stuff like scenes where Magnum's not present, where Higgins is speaking with Robin Masters like over a speakerphone. So it was a little bit of a stretch. Yeah. Okay. Well, now I'm sorry. I even brought it up. No, no, no. no. I mean, it's it's it, 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 it's one of the questions. It's it's one of the things that comes from it. It's I want to go with the retcon. I want to go with the fact that Higgins was Robin the whole time. I I want to believe that. I want to say that that's it because it just makes everything one step cooler. You know what I mean? In my mind, yeah. He, that he's been putting it over on Magnum 
for eight seasons. Well, not just Magnum, everyone, because of all the people that come to visit all think he's, you know, Robin mm-hmm. Masters' assistant, not Robin Masters himself. It'd be a long con <laughs> for not a lot of payoff. It's just your own little amusement. It almost makes you wonder, though, why they didn't just get... I mean, because there's tons of impersonators out there that could have done an Orson Welles voice. Uh, you know, and Rich Little I was big at that time. So I kind of wonder why they didn't go that route instead of retconning mm. things. Uh, probably out of respect. I mean, you impersonate somebody who isn't like a titan at the end of his career like Orson Welles. It would have felt really shitty to hire an Orson Welles impersonator right after he died. Fair enough. Uh, that's a fair cop. All right. So you think we're at a point where we should move on to the now? I think so. I think yeah, so. I'm not sure I have a whole lot more to say about this. Yeah. Yeah, when we come back, 2018, they brought back Magnum P.I. with a one J Hernandez. And when we get back, we are going to talk about that and some other uh, changes that they made to the show. So we'll be back in a little bit. All right. Uh, we are going to talk about Magnum PI 2018. It is recently rebooted, created by Eric Guggenheim and Peter Lenkoff, if you know those names. Peter Lenkoff is the producer for such shows as MacGyver 24 and Hawaii Five O, which we did earlier. Also was producer for Demolition Man. Oh, he wrote Demolition Man and was a producer for RIPD. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, I'm out. I love fucking the cast in that movie was great, but boy, that was a, a steaming pile. It was it was not good. It was not good. No. And I tried really hard to like it, and I know. Yeah. Watching that one, I was like, eh, you know, it. I never bothered to see it. I'd heard so many bad things about it. Uh, my My fallback on it was. It's still Jeff Bridges. You know, I've watched a lot of crappy Jeff Bridges movies. And I was like, eh, Jeff Bridges, it's all right. Eric Guggenheim, producer for Hawaii Five O, a writer for the TV show Parenthood back in 2010, 2013, and also the writer for the movie The Miracle. About the, the hockey movie? Mm-hmm. That was a good movie. Yeah, a really good movie. So combine those two and you get the power of Magnum P.I. 2018. Under twins, Guggenheim is the head. <laughs> form of a codpiece. <laughs> Why is everything you ever form a codpiece? You're a form of a codpiece. <laughs> so this changed over. We have got Jay Hernandez, also known as Diablo from Suicide Squad. He was in Paxton from Hostel. And Hostel too, although he died in that first like 10 minutes. Okay. Also known as the poor man's Eric Pena. Or Freddie Rodriguez's illegitimate cousin? I don't know. Or poor man's Mario Lopez. Poor man's Mario. Oh. I like Ooh. Jay Hernandez. Don't, I think don't... Mario Lopez is the poor man's Mario Lopez. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I like Jay Hernandez, so you guys can rag on him all you want. It felt like he was trying to channel Mario Lopez in this series. Oh. Oh. I, like I enjoyed him. Yeah. He was in quarantine, too. We'll get there. Okay. So also, big change up. We're going to make Higgins a girl this time. Perdita Weeks plays Higgins in this one. Because the sexual tension between Higgins and 
Magnum in the original series wasn't strong enough. <laughs> yes. I disagree, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it was all in the mustaches. It was just kind of like, <laughs> I see your mustache. It was there. It was. Yeah. You could see it in the eyes. It was you there. want to have some mustache wrestling? <laughs> so, it's called brustling. Thank you. <laughs> Sam Shepard shows up and's like, "Let's go." <laughs> it's called a hor- horsefly kissing. I'm. I'm not. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm not surprised we've derailed. I am surprised we've derailed on sexual tension and musket mustache rubbing. Yeah, if I'm going to der- derail with regards to Perdita Weeks, mustaches is not where I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> Just going to say. Yeah, I know her from the tutors. But, okay. Uh, you guys probably recognize her from like Ready Player One. Yep, she was Kira in Ready Player One. And as above, so below, she played Scarlet. Uh, and Spice World back in 1997. Uh, that's a classic, man. She was Evie. That's where I know her from. Spice World. Yeah. No, Spice Ready World. Player One. <laughs> yeah. That need... pile of shit that was Ready Player One. That's all right. I, I knew I knew her from something, and I didn't bother looking it up. Where she was, quote unquote, horribly disfigured with her uh, little wine. bit of miscolored yeah, skin. The wine from, spot. Yeah, on her face. It was just, oh my God, this is the worst thing ever. They should pr- just throw her in the trash and stone her. You you need to watch the um, Everything Wrong with Ready Player One on YouTube. I did. I did. He <laughs> was like, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! She's got a wine spot. She's got a birthmark. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, so many things wrong with that movie. But anyway, anyway, moving on. She was also in uh, Penny Dreadful, where she played Katarina Hardigan. That's on my list. Yeah. Oh, you, Penny Dreadful. I'm gonna warn you; it gets weird real quick. Zachary Knighton plays Rick in all 41 episodes. He has been in The Hitcher. Uh, back in 2007, Flash Forward, the TV show uh, from 2009-2010. And most recently, he's in post-production for something called The Pale Door, which sounds... Ominous. Yes. Kind of creepy. Moving on to Stephen Hill, who plays, I think, a really good TC in this one. Uh, yeah, I think TC and Rick are probably better actors in this. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a supporting cast that carries the main guy because the main guy doesn't change too much. Mm-hmm. So he's been in Dead Man Down. He was also character Burt Hunter in the Netflix Luke Cage TV show and uh, is currently in a couple video shorts called After and Runaway is the most recent things that he's got going. Moving on, we have Amy Hill, who I love, playing Kumu, who is basically the non-sexual tension of Higgins from the original series. They created Kumu because they needed someone to actually take care of, of everything going on. So Higgins and Magnum could have their sexual tension every week. Yeah, it was odd. Although she doesn't know how to shoot a gun. When she had that Uzi and she's like firing it in the air. She's just like, (laughs) somebody, but but she does know how to use heavy construction equipment somehow. Well, well, yeah. Did anyone else kind of feel like Kumu was from a different show? Sometimes. <laughs> like, I actually at one point thought that maybe she thought it was Hawaii Five-0, showed up, and they're just like, eh, just stay. <laughs> just keep her. Oh, you meant like they just, they just cut her scenes in from another show. 
Well, you know, just like almost every scene she was in felt like the least actiony parts. It was weird because the the whole mood and the whole pace of the series changed. Like I liked her as a character. The actress is fine, but like the scenes were different when she was in them. Well, she's not going to be involved in a whole lot of fight scenes. No. And considering that the show's like 80% fight scenes, I think it's a point worth <laughs> worth mentioning. Well, I mean, there was that big tense scene where she was tied up, you know, with trying to knock the wine bottle off the shelf. That was a thing. Wasn't it? Kind of. That, that was a thing that happened. Yeah. And that is true. And finally, Tim Kang as Detective Gordon Katsumoto. And looking about the relationship between Thomas Magnum and Detective Katsumoto. Thomas Magnum. Detective, I think this is what happened. Detective to to Magnum. Piss off. You're not a cop. (laughs) End scene. Later on, they're running in, guns blazing together, and there's no repercussions for a private investigator that should have nothing to do with what's going on. All right. Well, I mean, let's be honest. There's not a whole lot of police or crime procedurals that really follow real-life procedures Mm. and jurisdictions and all that kind of stuff because, you know, the cops are always out there doing things that they they wouldn't be doing on the street. Right. And if you're going to have an actual cop show, well, you're going to have probably 60% of the time they're sitting in front of a typewriter. Yeah. Have you ever seen cops? Hello. And the other 40% of the time, it's the shield. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or cop rock what was yeah, some people are gonna really get that joke yeah. <laughs> with five percent cop rock in there yeah yep every, every now and then you gotta have a michael chickless musical number <laughs> I, I, i'd watch that I'd, I'd watch i'm sure the man's pretty nimble on his feet the one episode where they're trying to unveil the actual who is White Knight. Yeah. Where, there, where there were waterboarding Higgins. What the hell? Yeah, that, that got rough. And I'm uh, watching that. I'm, I'm like, I don't care how tough you are. You, nobody gets waterboarded like seven times without giving up the goods because that shit is scary, awful. Yeah, and then and then have a full conversation. We're gonna have we're gonna have a three minute conversation about what it is you're actually trying to find out. Oh, okay, back to waterboarding. Okay, let's go back to waterboarding. Yeah, right. <laughs> that episode where they finally figure out that the code for the safe was given to these people by someone who worked there four years ago, which I call bullshit. Okay, I changed my password on my Gmail last week. I don't fucking remember it now. There's no way Kumu remembered what the password was on the safe four and a half years ago. I'm calling that bullshit. Second is when they bust into this guy's house, they kick down the door, they rush him, smack him up against the door. And the, what do you have to say for yourself? And the first thing he says is I want a lawyer. And I'm like, damn right. You do. I don't care if you did it or not. It doesn't matter if they catch him or not. You have this whole case is going to get thrown out of court. The second they find out that you were firing a gun into the ground, right in front of a, a, a suspect. Anyway, rant is done. Now on to trivia. trivia. Crossovers between Magna P.I. and Hawaii Five O for the 2010 version. Again, the character of Lieutenant Yoshi Tanaka states in the first episode, if this is a kidnapping, it belongs to the HPD and the Five O, not some private eye. Besides the appearance of Kimi Balamaro as a medical examiner and Dr. Nolai Kuna 
Katrina Law's Five O's agent Quinn Liu and William Forsyth as former private eye Harry Brown, which was close friends with Steve McGarrett's father. And finally, Taylor Willie returns as Kamikona for several episodes. So, yes, this whole Hawaii Five O Magnum PI thing is still going on. So cool. And because of this, this is set in the same universe as Hawaii Five O, MacGyver, Jag from back in 1995. For some reason, I'm curious to see the lot, you know, how that one worked out. NCIS, some show named Scorpion, NCIS Los Angeles, and NCIS New Orleans. So huh. crosses over all. I mean. Well, I mean, you had Jessica Fletcher in the original, I guess. And Scorpion, an eccentric genius, forms an international network of super geniuses to act as the last line of defense against the complicated threats of the modern world. I've heard of Scorpion. I've never watched it. Yep, same. I've never heard of it. And now that I know the name and the explanation don't match up. It doesn't sound as exciting as it originally did when I heard Scorpion. Scorpion's the name of his WoW character. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. In the first episode, Magnum crashes a different model of Ferrari than what was used on the first version of the show. When Magnum checks out another Ferrari, the producers pay homage to the original series by using a 1983-308 GTS QV with the license plate reading Robin 1. And then they blow that one the fuck up. (laughs) That's another thing. The cars on this show are so sweet. Yeah, the first episode cost us two Ferraris and a Dominic Lombardarzo. Lombardarzo? Lombardarzo. Is that a beer? No, he's the probably, aside from Jay Hernandez, the best-known actor in the first episode. He was one of the leads on The Wire. Yeah, lead might be overselling it. I'm assuming this is not a... I mean, this is the first viewing for all of us. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. What was the take on it? What did you think? It was the okayest adaptation ever. (laughs) I liked it. I felt like it maintained the spirit of the original and may have been a little too close to the original. But I mean, I had problems with it, but we'll we'll dig into that a little more in a minute. But no, dig into it now. No, I want to hear what Pat has to say. I mean... I I was being flip about it, but it really kind of feels like they went down a checklist of modern reboot and like they colored exactly within the lines, no more, no less. They decided, okay, our different thing is, is now that we're going to have a sexy woman V Higgins. Like, I don't know. It, It deviated just enough to be like, I don't know, acceptable as a modern reboot. It was fine. I mean, even even the theme song and the intro to the show was the same. A, essentially, yeah, the same the same thing. The helicopter looked the same. The music, the beats, everything. And uh, I kind of cuts. I don't mean to interrupt you. I, I I appreciate the fact that they did that because, like Josh said, he heard the music. He got emotions from it. He got a feeling from it. He got a you know. I heard that first thing. I remember watching it when I was a kid. It brought back memories, and I appreciate the fact that they didn't change it, discard 
Yeah, yeah. they didn't discard the opening music and put in some sort of like, hey, Skrillex, we want you to do an opening to a movie or <laughs> opening to a TV show. God, Wait that would be awful. The drop. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. <laughs> I th- I think one of the biggest problems I had with this, and like I said, I like Jay Hernandez, but you know they they keep playing up the the whole white knight thing, and they keep talking about how you know the white knight does this and that, and he's this badass, and you know here's this guy that's his former Navy SEAL, this you know the baddest of the badasses, and it just felt like they they only used that aspect of the character when the plot dictated. And so, and other times when he should have still had the same abilities that he had at, you know, the, the points where they decided to click the nitrous button, he like, like the scene you were talking about with the, where they're trying to find out who the white knight is and they break in and they're trying to steal everything and they're holding Higgins and, and Kumu hostage. I know what you're going to say when, when he gets caught at the car. Well, and he runs into the room where the ham radio is and instead of fighting the guy or shooting him or whatever, he locks the door, grabs his cell phone. He's like, send everybody. We need help. Send help. Send help. And I'm like, it's one dude. You can't take out one dude and you're this badass white knight that they write books about. Didn't make sense. to me. Yeah, it seemed like there was a magnum slider. Like, yes. He could get punched out with one right hook when you needed him to. But then he could take multiple hits when you didn't need him to. Be careful ordering the magnum slider. <laughs> <laughs> May not get what you want. It's got pineapple on it. Pineapple slot. What? And a mustache. <laughs> what did you think, Pat? I mean, in comparison, since you had no history with it. Yeah. I mean, how did you fall? I don't know. Like, I, I kind of agree with Josh. And like, this was a, this was the okayest remake. I didn't like that. Well, first of all, I didn't like Jay Hernandez as Magnum. No, I, I'm sorry. I didn't pick up on that at all. <laughs> you didn't? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I did not care for Jay Hernandez as Magnum. He felt like he was acting all the time. Like I, I hate it, as we've talked about before. When I feel like I can watch somebody acting, you know, it just it takes you out of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's just very unnatural. I feel like I'm watching a stage play of a high school kid or something. When suddenly I could just tell that you're just trying to remember your lines and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. He just never felt natural. I didn't like that the storyline decided to take a great character of Thomas Magnum, the fourth, who was a, a flawed hero. He had it, you know, he, he was not perfect and like make him into this white knight, you know, perfect character who like, not only can he kick everybody's ass, but you know, he can sit there and do a, you know, a, a therapy session with you afterwards to make sure you're okay. And it was just, it was a little, it was a little too much. He really does care. Yeah. I don't know. It just, I didn't like their, version of magnum pi but in all honesty everybody else i loved I, I i really thought everybody else did a good job rick was probably the least of everybody else but ever in my opinion but i still thought he did a good job I, I enjoyed the rest of the cast i just didn't care for even kumu yeah she's a character that's she's kind of written to be the every person that you you know you can see you know because she's not the Navy SEAL she's not the former MI6 she's not seen combat you, you know and all that kind of stuff so she's meant to be the the comic relief slash everyman mm. so even though she doesn't really have a place among all these borderline superhero type people that is kind of her place I mean person. maybe that's why I felt she belonged in a different show 
is because everyone else is hyper-realistic, and she's just like the secretary on a cop show somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, even the Justice League needed somebody to answer the phone. Did they? Uh... How great would the story be about, you know, the woman at the Justice League leaving messages for everybody and handling all the incoming fan mail and stuff? That's a show in itself, like Damage Incorporated, that they were going to do. I literally just had Damage Incorporated pop in my head when he was saying that. Yep. <sighs> you know, one thing that I saw that I liked in episode two of season two, when they introduced Bobby Lee's character, Jen, the the thief. It was such a likable character and it was such a nice foil to the kind of serious aspect of the show. Mm And I was kind of like, why couldn't he be one of the guys that he, you know, utilizes and he's only in one episode. I just checked to see if he popped up. Why can't he be his huggy bear? Yeah. Why can't he be Kumu or why can't he be, you know, to, to agree with Pat, this is a very, by the numbers, we're doing this again. We got to check all these boxes, make sure they're checked, get Jay Hernandez, do this, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it was all right. You know, I wasn't like, this is terrible. But I will say the only moment of this show where I laughed out loud was in that episode, Honor Among Thieves, is when they went to the doctor's office and the guy runs out the front door and they called down. They're up they're on the second floor and they call down to the guy in the car, this thief, Jin. They call him Jin stop him and he opens up the door and shoots the guy <laughs> and he pulls and they're like where the hell did you get the gun he's and he's a pickpocket and he's like well i was sitting in the car and i noticed i started playing with the glove compartment and it was locked and i i i, I kind of just got in there and there was a gun in there so you told me to stop him so i stopped him they're like just get in his way don't shoot him in the ass that which is exactly what he did but it that is the one and only time that I laughed out loud in this and one. Could you have imagined if that was, if he was a regular character on the show? Oh, that'd be awesome. It would change the flavor of the show a little bit, but that's not a bad thing. And it's such kind of a serious show that it would have been nice to have, and even if he wasn't a regular character, but if he popped up every season for a couple episodes or something. What was it? That night I was out with my hot model girlfriend. You wouldn't know her. She lives on another island. He was really an entertaining character. I wish there was more of him. And then she showed up at the end. Right. And she was actually there. I want to ask real quick because I didn't watch any of the first seasons since it wasn't on CBS All Access. Confusion sets in. Did they explain why he's driving a Ferrari in uh, that? He's, isn't that isn't it like the same car? I think it's the same the, the same deal that he had in the first episode. It's just a package deal of being part of the home security checker guy. Well, yeah. he uh, they changed that up in the first season a little bit, where Robin wants to take care of the group of them because they are responsible for his success because he bases the characters in his books off of them. So it's not just home security. It's it's also a thank you to the inspiration for all the books that made him all his money. So that includes TC and Rick and all them? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so cool. Right. They still make Ferraris in like that? Yeah, they do. <laughs> okay. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know anything about cars, so I didn't know if that was like a dated car from the 80s and like he was driving it as some sort of like retro. Thing. No, no, no. Um, they, they still produce cars to this day. Yeah. Okay. That that look like that. Yes. Okay. Okay. Because I didn't know if it was like a throwback, like a. No, that was a brand new Ferrari. Yeah, that was the season two ones that we got to watch. It was a brand new Ferrari. 
Yeah, he drives a Ferrari 380 GTS, and he also does a Ferrari 488 Spider, which is my favorite of the two. Just the Ferraris are have always been a thing. God forbid I ever start making like six <laughs> six figures. I'm I, don't be surprised if I buy a Ferrari because I love Ferraris. Mike died two weeks later. Yes. But yeah, no. Off the note, come to my house. I have a case. <laughs> and we all get the note and are like, well, shit, we're no good at this. And it was never solved. <laughs> God, my house, I have a case. Help me learn how to drive this Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he wasn't murderer or anything. <laughs> the case is, how do I drive stick? <laughs> hey, my current car is a stick. <laughs> the case of the car stuck in the driveway. Aw. The bus that couldn't slow down. Ferrari 48 Spider. How much would I have to earn? The thing about this reboot that I will say is there's really nothing bad to say about it. You know, as far as like there's no there's nothing horrible, awful about it, but there's also nothing great or amazing about it. It's just very much good to average. Safe. Yeah, it's a very, very mm-hmm. safe re- reboot for sure. Yeah, I thought the acting was uneven like some of the supporting cast especially perdita weeks were good and some of the writing didn't support the talent of the actors some of the dialogue was a little cringy but uh, it was fine it's like a remake was made by a bunch of people that kind of remember seeing the original or they watched like five episodes and like okay cool we got it yeah we can do this yeah so it's a guy he's in hawaii and he solves a bunch of cases we can do this it is a warm bologna sandwich with a single banana peppered for spice. Ew. <laughs> That's a really specific. That banana pepper was a gender swap. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not totally against the gender swap on it. I mean, yeah, it gives a little bit of tension to it. Are you going to join me as a partner? Or are you not going to drive me as, you know, and that, that whole thing going on? But we've seen it before. They could have made a better twist to it. They there was some. They could have done something else to make it a little bit more. In all, uh, in all yeah. the episodes that I saw, there was really nothing that was ever just kind of like, all right, yeah, this is interesting, new, groundbreaking, whatever. You know, it, you know, everything just very standard. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, if they were worried about kind of too much machismo. And they're like, okay, the 80s, it was different, guys, testosterone, blah, blah, whatever. And they're like, okay, we got to do something to add a little bit more estrogen to the show. I think they could have still left Higgins as a man. And Kumu would have been, her character would have been a little bit more, would have had more to do. Because she could have made occasional jokes or comments about, Mm. you know, there's all this testosterone here. There's all these guys all around, you know, why aren't there more women Blah, blah, whatever. And it maybe would have made it a little more interesting. Huh. I, just, I think that would have made the show much, much worse, considering Perdita Weeks was the best actress on the whole show. Yeah. And that's why I'm not writing for Magnum P.I. Yeah. I agree. I agree that she was the best part of the whole thing. But if you do that, if you if you turn Higgins back into a man, I think you run the risk of turning Kumu basically into Aunt B at that point. Mm. Well, then make Perdita Weeks play Kumu. Oh. Huh. Uh. No. And I'm just tossing this out there that the Ferrari Spider costs three hundred thousand dollars base, <laughs> without any extras. Did you order one from Carvana? Yeah, I got one. That's the I saw it on the big machine, you know. <laughs> but it's seven hundred and ten horsepower and does zero to sixty in two seconds. So, 
you're gonna die. Oh, someday, my friend. Anyway, <laughs> they're so impractical, though. I know. I mean, they're beautiful cars. They really are. If I had three hundred thousand to spend on a car, I'm buying a Bentley. Ooh, that yeah, that's right. But in the same time, the the car. That's one of the things about the show. Also, is it from then and the now is the cars. That was like you always think of Magnum with his Ferrari. You know that that was thing. And I sent a picture of my little Ferrari model that I have on my desk to you guys too. So yep. my little Ferrari, my little Ferrari has the cutie mark on the back passenger side. <laughs> it's a mustache. It's a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean it's. I mean this the the remake, like you said, it's not. It it holds true to the original feeling of the show to a point, but it misses the soul of of all the characters. I think I think they're just like this is okay. So I'm a guy who lives in Hawaii and solves mysteries. I don't think they delved quite as nearly into the backgrounds, the personalities, and all that of it. They could have done a lot better. It's not the worst show we've watched for this podcast. No, it's not even a bad one. It's just, I normally hate the question, did there need to be a reboot of this? But I found myself asking it while watching this. No, and that's a completely legit question. I mean, we have a show that, I mean, a a lot of us were surprised at it being as good as we remember it being. And, you know, do we have to rehash it? It's all right. So thumbs up, thumbs down or no? Yeah, Yeah. thumbs up, thumbs down. It's time for that. Patrick, thumbs up, thumbs down. I definitely go thumbs up for the 1980, and I think just kind of by default, it's going to be thumbs up for the new show because it's not—it's definitely not a thumbs down for it. So, I go thumbs up on both. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm with Pat, where it's a an enthusiastic thumbs up for the uh, original, but a kind of lukewarm, tepid thumbs up, I guess. Hmm. For for the uh, remake. How about you, Joel? Uh, yeah, I mean, I. I... I was surprised at how much I actually enjoyed the original. And so definitely a thumbs up there. And the remake, although kind of inoffensive and bland, it's still a thumbs up. I, I didn't find myself going, okay, when's this episode over? Mm-hmm. Yeah, thumbs up from, I mean, I got thumbs up for both of them, but it's like original uh, Magna P.I. Yeah, cool. New Magna P.I.? Meh. If okay. it's on. If it's on. Yeah. So, but what about next week, Joel? Next week, we're talking about the Rocketeer and the world of tomorrow or something like that. No. Get what? No. <laughs> the Rocketeer <laughs> versus Sky Captain and the, you got to say in the right verse, the Rocketeer versus Sky Captain and the world of tomorrow next week on 40 going on 14. Oh God, if he's going to do that next week, I'm going to be sick. <laughs> No, I can't do that. I would make myself sick doing that. <laughs> so if uh, you have any thoughts about Sky Captain or Magnum PI or any of the many topics we talk about on 40 Going On 14, let us know. Give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Yep. If you want to talk about the Rock of PI and Sky Magnum, do that. You can also find our older stuff, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse FM, and find us on Podchaser. And uh, leave us a review, rate our shows, and share it out. Spread the love mm. like smooth, smooth butter from mm. Pat. Mm. You ain't live till you've had mm. some Patrick butter. What? what? I'll be okay not living. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take a hard pass on Patrick's butter. Yeah, I don't even want that. 
All right. Gotta consult the doctor to get rid of that. Yeah, spread spread the love, but don't make it Patrick's butter. Fine. But <laughs> thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week with Rocketeer versus Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow. I'm going to re- reboot. Reboot. A boot. Reboot. Was it, was it like a French frog? What was that? I don't know what the hell that was. Reboot. <laughs> reboot. Reboot. <laughs> Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.